0: I will say to you tonight something I think you already know well. got a bit of an echo, guys. Maybe you can turn me down just a little. And that is that you have one of the lovingest, most caring pastors that you could ever ask for. How many of you know that to be true? Say amen. Let's just say amen. Amen. I'm going to help you with something tonight, okay? I love to preach, and I love it when the Lord speaks to our hearts. But one thing I learned a long time ago is that uh, God can speak to your heart in a short message or a long message. And most people like a short message. So the best way to get a short message out of this missionary is in Botswana, we say, Give me a witness. How many of you know what a witness is? A witness is, Amen. Amen. We like to shake our hands when we do it. You know, we say, Lord, I'm listening, I'm awake. So, for every witness you give, I'll cut five seconds off the sermon tonight. Can I get a witness? There we go. We're starting off right. Amen. <laughs> no, it's a joy to be here. I want to tell you something. We love Anchor Baptist Church. Missionaries are not supposed to have favorites. It's like your kids, you know. We all know we have a favorite child. How many of you would give me a witness on that? Yeah. We all know we have a favorite child. Amen. Amen. In, in our case, it's my daughter or my son. Depends which one I'm talking to. <laughs> which one owes me money? <laughs> okay. But uh, you're not supposed to have favorites, but I must say that you are one of our favorite supporting churches because of your prayers, your giving, your faithfulness. Uh, we share a lot of the same burdens as a ministry. And we went through a season there where, uh, I'm telling you, I just grew gray hair And just uh, dreaded phone calls that I knew were coming that were going to displace us yet again as a ministry and not knowing where a home would be. And now God has given us a place that, at least for the moment, seems to be the place that we'll be able to meet as a church for many years to come. And God has blessed us with a new property that is is not the meeting place of our church. Our church meets in the capital city. This property is just outside of the capital city, about a 25-minute 30-minute drive away. But it will enable us to take everything we're already doing to the next level and to see God uh, enhance the ministry there. And I just want you to know that you're a part of everything we do. And I don't just say this. I don't just say this. But many, many times I've found myself out in a remote village walking down a dirt path and there's chicken poo and goat poo and there's human rubbish, and you work your way through all of that, and weeds, and thickets, and briars, and uh, one missionary said, everything in Africa will bite you, smite you, stick you, prick you, uh, humble you, <laughs> It just, it's, you know, a lot of thorn bushes where we're at, but every time I'm out in those villages, and I'm taking those steps, and I'm giving Bibles to people who've never had them before. You're with us. The Lord is with us. And together, we're co-laborers in the work of the gospel. Amen. And everything we do there, everything you see tonight, please, don't give Mike and, Haley, Mike and Cindy credit. Honestly, we love the Lord. We have nothing to offer the world outside of Christ. But in Christ, I thank God for what we are in Christ. Amen. And what Christ chooses to do in us and through us and in our lives and in our ministry. And, you know, when we get to heaven, we're going to get to have one big giant church service and shout it out and give God glory for all the souls that are saved. I mean, I get excited. I, don't, I, I, wish, I wish I was able to know you in such a way as to know who we've prayed for. I know there's folks sitting here tonight who are saved in this church that we've prayed for personally. We've prayed for you by name. And so thankful for that, and just feel so at home tonight. Well, let me uh, share a few things with you about Botswana. Uh, Can we have that map, guys? The map? Looking for the sound. Okay, up there. All right, we got it? All right, great. So, Botswana is one of 54 countries in Africa. All right, we're right above South Africa. We're surrounded by um, South Africa, of course, and then there's Namibia, and then we have Zimbabwe and Zambia. And the population is only 2.7 million people. You probably have how many in Langley in this area? Over 2 million. So you can imagine just this area here and our whole country is 2.7 million, okay? Uh, the size of Texas, the land mass. Setswana is the heart language, but English is the trade language. So most, almost all of our ministry takes place in English. We are trying to learn the language. We have been trying to learn for seven years. But I went to a public school. I'm not real smart. That was a joke. You can laugh, okay? <laughs> but it, it's a tough language to learn. Seventy percent of the country is the Kalahari Desert. That's where we're at in the bottom part of the country. And then the top part of the country, we have the Okavanga Delta, which most people are familiar with. Botswana, at one point was the poorest country in the world many years ago before their independence. And they were number one in the world with HIV. They're now number four in the world with HIV. So they've made great strides there. And back in 1966, Botswana received its independence. It was a protectorate of Great Britain. No one had any desire to colonize Botswana like most of the African countries were colonized. Botswana was never colonized. They had nothing to offer the rest of the world. Even Great Britain viewed Botswana as just almost like an unwanted stepchild. But you see, the Lord knows. The Lord knows what the future holds. And in 1966, Botswana received its independence. In 1967, something was discovered in Botswana that changed them forever. Does anybody know what that was? Diamonds. Diamonds were discovered in Botswana. The second and the third largest gem quality stones in known history were unearthed in Botswana after 1967. That second stone is 1,111 carats. Can you imagine? How many of you ladies want to send your husband on a missions trip with me and we'll go diamond hunting for your next anniversary, amen? Amen. You couldn't even wear that thing, amen? You'd walk into church, a pastor would be like, I want to see that in the offering plate, amen? (laughs) But the truth of the matter is, that changed Botswana immensely, and Botswana is now one of the fastest growing democracies in Africa and um, really is a very peaceful nation. However, things are changing. How many of you understand the world is changing? Get this. We are praying and asking God to send a family to Botswana to help us reach the Chinese in Botswana because we have so many Chinese who've come to Botswana, uh, workers, construction workers and builders, that there's now a huge Chinese population there and nobody, not one person that I know of reaching those people with the gospel or even able to do that, all right? Uh, The Muslims have moved into Botswana. in in mass, and uh, we have new mosques that are being built there all the time. So Botswana's changing, okay? Uh, We have a large large Asian culture in Botswana. We have a family coming from the Philippines that's coming to help us in Botswana uh, with church planting. You'll meet them in the video. So God is doing incredible things, and uh, this last seven years of ministry has just been amazing. Honestly, it's something only God could do. And anything that's been accomplished, we give God the glory for. But we're very thankful that after establishing the church and now trying to plant three new churches and having ordained deacons and establish a Bible institute, now we're looking to do a Bible college and a Christian camp, this new property will facilitate all of that. Uh, that property, do you use acres or hectares in Canada? Hectares. Okay, our new property is four hectares. So I've been going all over America saying hectares, and everybody's like, oh, it's a hectare, you know. But uh, uh, 10 acres or 4 hectares of property, fully developed commercial lodge. You'll see some pictures, but the video really doesn't do it justice. It's just amazing the facilities that are there and what can be done with it. We needed uh, about half a million dollars initially to buy that property. We eventually were able to get that price down to about 435000 But still, God provided in less than five months, God provided over half a million dollars to buy that property in ways that only God could do. It's just been miraculous, literally miraculous. I think our time's pretty good. Yeah, I want to tell you one quick story. Y'all got time for a quick story? Let me tell you about an amazing day. So I was home. I was back in the States uh, for seven days. I, I had to fly back from Botswana to meet a group of people who were coming on a missions trip back over with us, and uh, right before I left, I met with the owner of the property, and I told her, I said, when I get back, I'll have a commitment for you. I said, when I get back, we will either fully commit to buying this property, or I will encourage you to get another offer. Now, there was a Chinese businessman who had already made a full-price cash offer on the property, and the owner of that property, who is from Yugoslavia and was raised in communism and escaped communism as a young college student and fled, and ultimately, ultimately, long story, ultimately, she landed up in Botswana. She's an atheist. She doesn't know God. I spent six hours on the back of my porch one day with my Bible, sharing the gospel with her. Her first question was, what is faith? She said, I don't even think I know what faith is. She said, you know, I don't even know if I believe there's a God. And we spent six hours going through the gospel that day. Winning her to Christ is going to be a labor of love. It's going to be a process of time. But God is doing great things, including providing the money for this property, which is pretty hard to deny. Amen. And uh, we needed an $80,000 deposit. So I knew when I got back, she was willing to not accept the other man's offer and to give us time to come up with that $80,000. We had to give $80,000 to the bank. We had about two months to raise that $80,000. I came back home, and I was behind my parents' home, one early one morning, and I prayed that morning, and I said, Lord, if you want us to buy this property, all I'm asking, you've proved yourself already in so many ways. God had given us total peace that we should pursue it, but I didn't have any money in hand. How many of you understand faith is great, but you need money? Amen. And uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Well, we had a lot of hope, amen, (laughs) but no money. And we were trusting the Lord to do it. And I prayed that morning and I said, Lord, if you want us to buy this property, all I'm asking for today is an indicator, one financial gift, just one gift to get the ball rolling. And I said, once the ball's rolling, I'm confident it'll, it'll go, but I need to know. And I've got to go back and give this lady an answer. And an hour later, my phone, my wife texted me from Botswana, and she said, have you looked at your email? And I said, no. And Cindy said in big, bold letters, check your email, exclamation marks. How many of you understand there's a command from God and there's a command from your wife? And you need to know how to obey them both, amen? (laughs) And boy, I opened up that email, and I had an email from a man that used to serve with us as a deacon in our church in North Carolina. He said, Dear Pastor Mike, he said, You know, Judy and I have always given to missions, but we've never had the opportunity to give to something like this. This man's a Vietnam vet. He doesn't have a follicle, not one follicle of hair on his entire body from head to toe, from being exposed to Agent Orange. He has a false eye, a prosthetic eye, because he lost an eye because of the war. And He suffered great pain most of his life, and yet he was one of the most tender-hearted, sweet-spirited men I've ever known, bold as a lion, but gentle as a teddy bear. And He wrote me, and he said, Pastor, Judy and I want to give $10,000 to this project. That was the first gift. A couple of hours later, I got a text message from a family in northern Indiana that to this day I've never met. Their pastor came on a missions trip with us earlier in the year, and they texted me and they said, Brother Haley, they said we wanted to come on that missions trip, but my husband couldn't get off work. But we saved the money that we were going to use, and we want to give it to this project. $10,000 in a couple of hours. And then to just do it in a way that only God can do. Before I went to bed that night, I got a text message from a lady who lives in North Carolina. I'm sorry, I got a phone call from a lady who lives in North Carolina. I won't give you her name, but when she was a young college student, she was mishandled by a gynecologist, her and about a hundred other women. And there was a class action lawsuit that took place over 20 years. And that lawsuit was recently settled. And her and her husband got a very large payout because of that. They live in North Carolina. This was her testimony. She's from originally. She's from the Bronx, and she said pasta. That's the way she talks. She said pasta. You know Jeremy and I. She said we've never had money. We're not real smart. She said, but we went to the financial advisor's office to find out how to invest that money. And she said, we had four great options sitting right there in front of us. And she said, my husband looked at me and said, you know, Paula, I don't have peace. We're going to go home. We're going to continue to pray about this before we make a decision. They got home. She opened up her email. There was the original 18-minute video that we produced presenting the property. They watched it. Halfway through it, her husband said, that's why we didn't have peace. God wants us to invest this in this property. He said, call Brother Haley and tell him we're going to send him an offering. Does anybody want to guess the amount? $10,000. One day, less than 24 hours, one petition, Lord, show me what you want me to do. And God did it. And God's been doing it ever since. And uh, we're trying to raise $100,000 For the initial renovations on the property. And right now we have about 78,000 of that that's been given. So God continues to bless. And God continues to do what he promised he'd do. Now how many of you believe that the promises of God are still good today? Amen. Amen. God has not changed. He's just waiting on us. And we need to know the will of God. There's a lot of people out there that claim a lot in Jesus' name that's not legitimate because it doesn't match God's Word. But when you have God's Word on a matter, the only thing left to do is be obedient to the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to show this video to you, and after the service, if you have questions, we don't have to rush off. We've been rushing all day. We've been in two church services already today, in two churches. Had a wonderful day. Five folks saved this morning in the morning service. Boy, we rejoice in that. And, uh, but we don't need to rush off. We've got plenty of time to talk, and we don't have to head out till tomorrow. So let's have the video, and then we'll take a minute uh, to um, share the Word of God with you. All right? Go ahead and roll that for me, guys. Now, I know every day we live, we're one step closer. I understand that. But I want to tell you, I really do believe that we live in the generation that will see the return of Christ. I often ask my wife, I really wonder how much time we have left. And hey, if the Lord wants to come tonight, let's go. Amen? I'm ready. I'm ready. But if the Lord tarries, I want to be faithful till he's ready. Amen? And I hope you feel the same way. But tonight I would speak to you along this thought, are we truly yielded to God? Are we truly yielded to God? And just want to take out of the life of Simon Peter and his meeting of the Lord tonight some thoughts on what it means to be truly yielded to God. How many of you believe that God still desires to do great things in our lives? I believe that with all my heart. All right? God put me through a valley, a two year valley of darkness. I went through one of the greatest trials I've ever faced in my life, my wife and I, our whole family, really. uh, Times when I didn't know, didn't know where to find God, but knew God was there. You read your Bible, you pray, you stay faithful you just trust that God's still there. But God doesn't bring you to something that He doesn't intend to bring you through something. Now it's a great truth. What God brings us to, God brings us through. Because the purpose of a trial is to purify and perfect our lives. So that we can be used in a greater fashion. And in Luke chapter 5, I think you'll see tonight that in order to be used greatly by God and to experience the greatness of God in our lives and ministry, we must answer the question, are we truly yielded to God? Now, what is yielding? What is yielding? Yielding is just simple obedience to God. The revealed will of God, whatever that is, it's just simply obeying and trusting God, regardless of circumstances or consequences, okay? The ultimate goal of yielding to God is God's glory. Can I ask you this question tonight? Does your story bring God glory? Every one of us have a story. Every one of us have a life that we've lived and that we're in the process of living, and our life should bring God glory. And as we tell others about our life and what's going on in our life, our story ought to bring God glory. Amen? And we're going to hasten a little bit tonight for sake of time. Now remember, every one of those witnesses shaves a little bit off the message. Didn't forget that, right? Can I get a witness? Amen. Okay. I got to go find somewhere to eat some poutine tonight. You can't come to Canada and not eat poutine. Is that right? All right, now, now Brother Getty there tried to get me to eat balut today, and I said, no, no, Doc, I don't go there, amen? He said, but you have to if you're going to have support. I said, well, I can do without the support, amen? <laughs> Just teasing. We're going to start with a simple thing tonight. Uh, I want you to look, if you will, look at verse 11 of chapter 5 as our text. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all, and followed him. Now we could say that in that moment, they were truly yielded to God. But there's something that led up to that. There's a process here that the Lord takes Simon Peter through. And it begins with something very, very simple. And that is the yielding of our possessions. You know, the Bible says, A man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things that which he possesseth. My son-in-law, who's a South African from Pretoria, South Africa, you saw him in the video there, he and my daughter have just arrived. In the last couple of days, they just arrived to the U.S. and they're at BIMI tonight starting their candidate training to be approved as BIMI missionaries. And I asked my son-in-law, after they landed and my daughter had taken him around a little bit and showed him some things in Greenfield, Indiana, the small town there where we live I said, what do you think of America? He said, my goodness, preacher, there's a lot of stuff. And you know, if there's any one thing I could say about our American culture, it's that quite often we are very defined by what we possess. It's really a complex thing because much of our identity is in what we possess. So there's a simplicity to what we possess and there's a complexity to what we possess. The simplicity of it is God has given us all things richly to enjoy. There's nothing wrong with having some things, amen? And I'm thankful for some things that I have and things that I enjoy. And uh, recently when my wife and I had to move out of our house, we kind of went through a little uh, thing there like everybody does and said, let's downsize. Where You saw the cottage we're moving into. I said, honey, we got to get rid of some stuff. She said, what do you want me to get rid of? She said, everything we have we use for the ministry. And I thought, boy, you're right. And that's a blessing to be able to look at your life and say, the things I have are very useful and very needed and very enjoyable, and I don't think that anything I have really has me. And there's the complexity of it. The simplicity of it is is that things can be a blessing. The complexity of it is that things can be a curse. Because we oftentimes can become very covetous and something thing can get in the way of our being truly yielded to God. Now I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to heaven and find out that there's some inanimate thing about this world that had such a hold on me in my life that it kept me from experiencing the greatness of God in my life. God forbid that somebody die and go to hell because I had some love affair with some thing that literally meant nothing in comparison to an eternal soul. Can I get a witness? Now don't go quiet on me, okay? The yielding of our possessions. Look if you will at Luke chapter 5 verse 1, and it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Okay. we're going to read verse 3 in unison. Here's verse 2. And he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were going out of them and were washing their nets. Ready? Verse 3. Can we read it together? And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, the, the Bible is very, very specific to, uh, and, and there's really no other reason for this except what we're talking about here. The Bible identified the ship as belonging to Simon. Now, the Lord could have went into any of those ships that He could have pushed out from the land and He could have utilized the boat. And I just want to say some things about Simon's boat here, okay? First of all, the obvious, it was Simon's boat. How many of you have some things that you claim ownership of? How many of you men have tools? Raise your hand if you got tools. If you don't have tools, you're a sissy. Do you have tools? Okay, forget you men. I've done give up on you. How many of you women have tools? Thank you, ladies. I'm glad you're listening. All right, Pastor, you got to work on these guys. They're a little dull. Amen. Now, I got tools, brother. And I got tools, and my staff and my wife, everybody that knows me knows those are my capital M-Y tools. And I can't replace them in Botswana, Africa. They come from the States, and I use them all the time, and you touch them, you die. That's the way I feel about them. I'm very possessive, but it's a protection syndrome, okay? <laughs> yeah. And I call those mine, and I take ownership of them. But the truth of the matter is, anything we have, God gave us. Anything we have, God allowed to be in our life. The boat was Simon's. But I want you to see something else. The boat was made available. The Lord said, I'm going to step into your boat and I'm going to ask you to thrust out a little. And I want to say to you tonight that anything that you and I have, the net worth of that thing really goes up when the Lord gets in it. Amen. And I just want to ask you tonight, if I can, very plainly, very simply, is God in your things? Can you go home tonight and take inventory of everything that you possess in your life and say, that is for God's glory, that is for God's use, that is for my enjoyment, but it doesn't displace God in my life. And then here's the big thing, if the Lord asks for it, will you give it up? Stories told of a man who was at a missions conference. And he had an incredible hot rod car that he had worked on for many, many years. And he finally finished it, and it had incredible value. And he was, in the, he was in the missions conference, and God was working on his heart about giving more to missions. And he said, you know, Lord, I don't think I have more to give. And the Lord, hey, I'm telling you, man. The Lord went, you got something in your garage you could get rid of. It's worth a lot. And he began to think about that, and he said, Brother Haley, I got more joy out of selling that car and giving that money to missions than I ever had in the work I did on that car over several years. That's what God does. Amen? Hey, listen, God's not asking you to give something up, and He doesn't reward you greatly in return. Amen? And I can give great testimony to that tonight. It was made available. But then I want you to see this small step in Simon's life. And you see, that's what the yielding of our possessions is. It's a small step in getting totally yielded to God. God starts with something simple. God starts with something inanimate. God starts with something that outside of its purpose really has no usefulness, but it has a greater purpose when God's using it to get a hold of what He really wants, which is your heart. Because God doesn't need anything you or I have, but He definitely wants our heart. Amen? And when the heart is not given over to God, it's amazing how quickly things become very, very possessive to us. Now, here's what He said to Simon. Look what He said. He said, I want you, out. He got in the boat, and then He asked Him, look, He prayed Him, is the word, that He would thrust out a little from the land. Does everybody see that? Thrust out a little, he prayed him. Now that's kind of like, hey Simon, would you do me a favor? It's a gentle request. He said, could you just thrust out a little, just push the boat out a little, and I'm going to stand in the boat, and I'm going to teach from it. And he did. Now that was a small step. And Simon was willing. But then if you'll notice in verse 4, something changes. Now when he had left speaking, he's done speaking. He said unto Simon, will you read that next word with me? Let's say it together. Launch. Launch out into the deep and let down your nets. Notice the plurality of that word for a draw. Now here's what he told Simon. He said, now Simon, here's what I want you to do. I want you to push out just a little and I'm going to teach. And that's just kind of a small step. And let's be honest tonight. God leads us in small steps. But like every baby child, small steps lead to big steps. Amen? Because God wants you to be born again, and God wants you to crawl a little bit as a newborn babe in Christ, but sooner or later, God wants you to really know how to walk with Him, and then there's going to come a point in your life when God just wants you to flat out run for Him, like run a race, like Paul said. And, but God leads us gently, and God leads us graciously, and we see that with Simon. Hey, Simon, launch out just a little, and he did, and he was obedient. But then he said, now, Simon, this isn't a request, this is a command. The word launch is a command. Launch out into the deep and let down the nets for a draw. Now, I want you to see some things here, Okay. There's a reasonable reluctance. And that's the second point. Not only the yielding of our things, our possessions, but then comes the yielding of something more important, and that's the yielding of our will. He said, launch out into the deep. Now I want you to see in verse 5, Simon's reasonable reluctance. Will you read this with me? Can we read verse 5 together? Here we go. Ready? Ready? And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Now, let me put that in heliology for you. We have toiled all the night. Lord, here's how we'd say it in the South, I'm dead dog tired. Dead dog tired. How many of you have ever come home from work and you had a really rough day and the old devil said, you don't need to go to church tonight because you're tired? Anybody ever have that experience? Some of us are honest. The rest of us forgot we're in the house of God. You can't lie about it. Can I see a hand? Have you ever had that? Of course you have. Your preacher's never had this problem, but the story is told of the preacher got up one Sunday morning and he looked at his wife and he said, I'm not going to church today. And she said, of course you are. And he said, no, I'm not. And she said, of course you are. And he said, give me one good reason why I should go to church today. And she said, because you're the preacher. (laughs) It's your job. Get up and go. Amen? Amen. We've all had those times when we offered the Lord. Listen, a little bit of reasonable reluctance. I want to tell you something. I just had to practice what I'm getting ready to preach when my son-in-law and my daughter got married. And in my mind and in my heart, I thought they would stay with us in Botswana. But God's put a burden in His life to go to the Democratic Republic of Congo. And brother, I don't know if you know about the Democratic Republic of Congo, but there aren't any missionaries there, and there's a reason why there's no missionaries. missionaries there. But when he looked at me with an honest eye and I said, brother, all I need you to do is tell me you are 100% certain it's God's will for your life. And he said, preacher, I am. I said, then you go with my blessing. And I said, by the way, you got the greatest wife a man could ever ask for to be your partner to go. I said, she's a champion for God. And it's going to be tough to lose her. You know what I'm talking about. It's tough. But I can't say, Lord, I want the whole world to know about you as long as it doesn't cost me my daughter, as long as it doesn't hinder and hamper our ministry, and and somebody's got to fill those voids. No, I'm saying, saying Simon's re- reluctance was reasonable. He said, Lord, we've toiled all the night. We're dead dog tired. And then look at this. He said, and we have caught nothing. We have caught nothing. That's, we're frustrated. And how many of us have ever been tired? And how many of us have ever been frustrated? Frustrated? And I would boldly say tonight that there's a whole lot of people sitting in a whole lot of churches that are very tired and they're very frustrated because they're not seeing the greatness of God in their lives. And I believe the reason for it is because they're not totally yielded to Christ. Folks, the Christian life is supposed to be a life of joy and victory in spite of difficulty. Can I get a witness? How many of you understand that nobody would fault your pastor for not being here tonight? Would anybody really have a right to say, brother, you should have been here? No, he could be home tonight. My sweet wife, we left church today. I said, hey, you know, we got GPS to the next service. She said, I think I'm going to have to stay home. I said, honey, we need to go. She said, no, you're right. I'll go. And that's what you do when you love the Lord. Can I get a witness? Amen. But there was a reasonable reluctance here that Simon offered. And here's what it means to be totally yielded to God. Look what he said in verse five. But nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Here's some things quickly as we close. Say amen till we close. <coughs> Come on, folks, you got to help me. I told Pastor, we work on Africa time, okay? We don't want Africa time tonight, believe me. <laughs> yeah, amen. Help me, brother. <laughs> to be totally yielded to God means to yield to His Word. Simon's reluctance was reasonable. Lord, we just got done fishing all night. and We caught nothing. And by the way, we've mended the nets. And we've washed them. And we put away the tools. And second shift's fixing to come around here pretty quick. But because you said so, nevertheless, at thy word. And folks, I want to be honest with you. If you've got to have an explanation from God every time God asks you to do something that seems a little unreasonable, you won't get very far in your faith. The truth of the matter is God is not obligated to explain himself, but the truth of the matter is sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. He said, nevertheless, at thy word. And I want you to see not only do we yield to his word, but we yield to his where. He said, Simon, we're going to launch out where? What did he say? Into the deep. And folks, listen. God will allow us to swim in the shallow waters for a while, but sooner or later God is going to say, we're going to the deep end of the pool. doesn't matter who you are. That's how God works. You say, well, that's for missionaries. That's for pastors. No, that's for everybody. Amen. Because God wants to show himself great on every man's behalf. Amen. I want you to see that what God prompted Simon to do, God also gave him a promise of an outcome. He said, let down your nets for the drought. And and the, the sad part is, when Simon let down the nets, he only let down one. So he might have caught a whole lot more. God might have intended for him to see a whole lot more than he really did. Not only must we yield to his word and yield to his where, but we must yield to his when. It wasn't the natural time to catch fish. But the Lord said, we're going to do it now. We're going to do it here. We're going to do it in a supernatural manner. And I want to remind you that this was a supernatural act of God. Hey, how many of you, probably like me, you like things to go... Can I confess a little bit tonight? Will you do this for me? Button your white collar. I'm going to walk into a big, giant confessional booth right here. I am a type A, OCD, nitpicky personality type. I mean, honestly, like if your zipper should be a little more up, I see it. Okay? Yeah, thank you, bro. (laughs) Yeah, I was sitting here going crazy. No, I'm just kidding. And God takes a guy like that and he moves him to a place like Botswana, Africa, where this thing right here is a joke. And you spend the first year of your life going... And sweet people in churches say, oh, missionary, missionary, you just love the people. And I'm like, it really just depends on the day. Because sometimes I love them, and sometimes I'd like to pinch their head off. Amen. You know why I love them? Because Jesus loves them. And if you love Jesus, you can't help but love the people Jesus loves. Amen. And it may not fit your personality type, but personalities really don't matter. People. Amen. And that's what we have to do. We have to yield our will to the Lord. I want you to see this as we close. Maybe the most difficult thing to yield is our pride. Our pride. Pastor, I'm, there's a glare on that clock, and I just realized I think we're out of time. Two minutes? Let's wrap this thing up. Okay. Yielding to our pride. Look at verse 6, if you will, please. Okay? In verse 6. I've lost my place. Hang on a second. Look in verse 6. The Bible says, (coughs) He let down the nets. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned to their partners and they came and they helped them fill the ship with the fish. So much so that the ships began to sink, the Bible says. Look at verse 8. Here's the ticket. When Simon Peter saw it, he jumped up and down and he went, Wow, look at this. This is amazing, supernatural act of God. Didn't work that way. We've gone all over America. And now, Canada, rejoicing in the goodness of God and what God's done for our ministry. But I want to tell you something. It's hard because when I go into the churches and I know I ought to be as excited as other people are, forgive me, I'm very humbled by the greatness of God. I'm a little fearful because to whom much is given, much shall be required. And when you're in God's Super Bowl and He hands you the ball, you sure don't want to fumble. And I thank the Lord that the thanksgiving of many is redounding to the glory of God. And so it should. And so we should celebrate the greatness of God. Amen. But I'm telling you, the more you see the greatness of God, the more you realize how little you are in His sight. Simon Peter fell on his knees. And being truly yielded to God means that we fall on our knees as our Lord fell on His knees in the Garden of Gethsemane and said, Not my will, but thine be done. Amen. And He said it in humility and He said it in brokenness. And quite frankly, you and I, if we're going to be totally yielded to God, must yield to our pride. Can I give you something? I hope you can laugh at this. Somebody tell me, what did Simon Peter do for a living? And what did the Lord do for a living? So, don't you think Simon Peter had a little bit of room to say, "Um, Lord, if I need a curio cabinet for my wife, I'll call you. But I know fishing. Humanly speaking, I know you're Jesus, but I'm a fisherman. And how many of us sometimes try to figure it all out in our head and we want to have all the answers and the reality of it is we just got to say that whatever we know and whatever we've experienced and whatever the past taught us, God knows it all. Amen. And we just trust Him. Verse 10 shows us the higher purpose. So it was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, here it is, fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. I want you to see that in this experience, there was a greater purpose, and the greater purpose was the glory of God. And there was a greater call, and that was for Simon to leave what he was used to and to follow Christ and catch men. So God is always at work doing something great in our lives. But to experience that greatness, we got to be totally yielded to God. And that's never an easy thing for any of us. Amen.